On today's episode of the Runway One Niner podcast, I have Nick Volpe on. Nick is an ex-NYPD officer, currently a firefighter at FDNY, an AMP working on helicopters, and a private pilot working on an instrument rating. Stay tuned. All right. So, um, when can you think of for the first time in your life that you got the flying bug? Um, just like a brief memory of that. That's a great question. So my uncle, um, they called him skip in uh, the Korean war. He flew, I believe it was Corsairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had an engine failure, some kind of emergency. And he, uh, I think he was in like Taiwan or wherever he was. He, skipped his Corsair off the beach a couple of times. Um, so he was a big uh, mentor to me when I was a kid. Um, the first time I think I ever was like, whoa, this is what I want to do. Um, we went out to California to go visit him. He was a, a retired TWA pilot, retired Navy pilot. Um, he built his own experimental aircraft i don't remember exactly what it was but i remember him putting me in the cockpit when i was nine years old and you know just pointing everything out to me and i think that was the moment where i was like this is this is something that you know i can do you know i guess like i remember as a kid because i live right by newark newark is the closest international airport to me I remember as a kid driving down the turnpike and driving past Newark and just seeing like right next to the highway, these tremendous airplanes landing and just being totally infatuated with it. But never like in my head did I think it was like a possibility, you know, that I could one day fly. I just thought, you know, you had to be like the super intelligent person to, you know, land an aircraft, I guess. But yeah. I- you know, when my uncle threw me in the cockpit of his plane, which was like in a small hangar that he built himself, I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is this is a possibility. So that was yeah. like the first time um, I think I really got bit um, with the aviation book. Yeah, of course. So you had family and whatnot in that, which definitely gave you a leg up and whatnot. So throughout the course of growing up, um, through your early teens, late teens and whatnot, did you necessarily want to go down the track of airline pilot or military aviation or something like that? Or was it more always wanting to go into hobby? Interesting. So my father was a uh, helicopter mechanic. Um, He also, so he, I say also because I ended up becoming a helicopter mechanic myself. Um, but he fixed, um, he was actually Trump's director of maintenance for his uh, Sikorsky S-76 and his, uh, he flew, what's it called? Um, yeah, I think it was majority S-76. back. So he had an airline or like a charter service that would go to his, to his casinos. So he was his director of maintenance. Um, my dad got ill and had to stop working. So when I was a kid, I just kind of grew up 
around aviation. Like he would listen to like Metars and, you know, he was into it. Uh, he had a workshop in the basement. He had a Sikorsky S76 tail rotor above the workbench. And, um, you know, he showed me how to use basic hand tools. So I, at the time, I think, you know, I, it never really crossed my mind that I wanted to be an airline pilot, but it did. It was always in the back of my mind that, you know, aviation is like a part of my family, you know, it was what my dad did, it was what my uncle did. And I knew I wanted to be a pilot. I just never had like a, you know, a, a direction as far as like a career. Mm -hmm. um, so it's weird. So when I was 16, I got my first real job as a lifeguard. Um, and every day I would see helicopters fly right over the beach, like right over my chair. Um, NYPD helicopters, uh, Blackhawks, and there was this Bell 47. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bell 47. It's like that bubble. Uh, it's like it's all tube and, and, and cable and it's like just glass. Yeah. And uh, so it, it would fly over real low every day. And I remember <laughs> the pilot used to like wave to me. Wow. And that blew my mind. I was like, I think that's when it kind of the seed got like really planted. Like, all right, I think I want to do aviation some way, somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when I decided to go to trade school and I got my AMP right out of high school. Wow. Uh, so I actually ended up meeting that pilot of the Bell 47. My first, actually my second AMP job at Linden airport um it's like right out of the new york city metro area uh new yeah. Jersey. it's just south of newark um and that's where i actually started flight training as well um so that guy we call him chopper charlie he's a retired nypd pilot and a yeah. retired uh american airlines captain so he was another big mentor for me um he kind of steered me and the direction of going to the NYPD um, and then also steered me towards the fire department as well. Um, and it's, it's interesting, like all, all these career changes that have happened in the last four years, all my decision-making really just revolved around aviation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a wild ride. Um, COVID really had a lot to do with the path I ended up going down, which was joining the police department. Um, if it wasn't for COVID, I don't know if I ever would have joined the NYPD. Um, I was very content in my helicopter job, fixing helicopters, was having a blast, um, making good money. And um, I actually had two jobs and that's what helped me pay for flight training. And I, I think I was kind of on the route of going to the airlines at that point. Yeah. COVID hit. I got furloughed from both jobs. Oh my. And that was like, that left a bad taste in my mouth, you know? Um, and I was like, I don't know if aviation is like a career that I want to, you know, definitely like, experiencing that job insecurity. Exactly. You yeah. know, it's like, it's so it's like 
the foundation is glass, man. Like you could be on top of the world one day. Like look at all these airline mergers, right? Like yeah. imagine being a captain at a major and then it merges with another, your airline merges with another airline. Now you're at the bottom of the seniority list. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, of um, course. So, yeah. So ultimately, uh, I, uh, I had taken the NYPD test. Um, I got furloughed. And then luckily enough, I got called into the next academy in February 2021. Uh, with the goal in mind of getting into the aviation unit um, on the NYPD. Um, so what's interesting about that is that guy, Charlie, the uh, retired NYPD pilot, he kind of knew that I had also taken the fire department test. And he was like, you know, go NYPD now, but if the fire department calls you, go. And I didn't really yeah. understand it at the time. I was like, you know, all I want to do is fly, you know? And he's like, ah, you'll see when you get there. Uh, just the politics of, of the police department and how that, how that uh, agency really works is, uh, it's a shame. It's a, it could be a lot better. Of course. And um, yeah, when the fire department called, I, I did jump ship uh, just for quality of life uh purposes mainly um, yeah so I, I guess what i'm trying to say is aviation is is awesome but if, if you can make it you know part of your life while still having a good quality of life then for me that's that's enough you know definitely um, for a lot of people all they want to do is fly and go to an airline is their one and only goal and you know then if that's the case then just do it you know you're not going to be happy doing anything else yeah of course so yeah in a nutshell that's pretty much how i ended up where i am now uh, super happy to be where i'm at um still flying uh working on my instrument rating right now with the hopes of uh flight instructing on the side um i still i Got my helicopter job back, uh, do that part-time. So it's awesome. Um, the fire department, I work eight 24-hour tours a month. <laughs> so it leaves me wow. plenty of free time to, you know, wrench on helicopters, fly. So, yeah. Yeah. So you went to trade school and became an AMP right out of high school. Um, where did you go do all your AMP training at? So I ended up going to a uh, community college, upstate New York. It's okay. called uh, Mohawk Valley Community College. Um, it's an accelerated program. So it's 12 months to get your AMP. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a lot. Uh, and then, you know, another year of college to get your associates after that. So that's uh, what I ended up doing. And then uh, my first job was at Commute Air. Um, I think they, so they're a regional subsidiary of United. Um, I think they went under during COVID, but I think they're back again now. Um, That was, it was a good experience. Um, It just, 
line maintenance got boring, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess just as a kid, like having that cool factor of helicopters, um, when I saw that helicopter job pop up, I applied and when I got it, I was super stoked. And of course. what you do in a week in helicopter maintenance, like you, you don't see in like a year of uh, line maintenance. Line maintenance is like changing tires, servicing hydraulics and oil. It's really, you know, you're out in the, on the ramp. It's, it's a good job, but it got mundane quick. You know? Of course. So throughout your time being an AMP, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned? Um, just overall, that can be like an aviation lesson or a life lesson or something like that. Ooh, that's a good one. It's a good question. Um, I would say the biggest takeaway from being an AMP is don't cut corners um, and even if you've done it a thousand times you know and you and you and you know on the thousandth time you've done it it's been fine make sure you check it on the thousandth and one time um, we actually just recently had a, uh, a helicopter with a sheared um, attachment bolt from the tail boom to the fuselage. And it's actually a, a service bolt in every 300 hours to check the torque on those bolts. Wow. Um, so I was in there checking the torque on those. It's only four bolts. And uh, I went to check the number one upper and the head was turning and I actually I had never run into a case where it was moving and it was just spinning, 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 spinning. Uh, turned out that the uh, bolt had actually sheared in half and uh, who knows how long it was flying, you know, it could have happened one hour after the last time it was inspected, you know? Wow. So it's stuff like that, that really like, you're like, wow, we got lucky. You know, we got really lucky. That could have yeah. been really bad. Um, so, yeah, just um, I guess just do your job, do it by the book, and you, you can't really go wrong. I guess the same goes for a pilot. If you follow your checklist, you won't miss anything, you know, like, you know, have a flow and uh, always be by the book. Don't cut corners. You know? Definitely. So about when um, did you get furloughed from those jobs? So February, I think it was January 2021, right after the new year. It was just like unsustainable at that point. Tourism had completely stopped in New York City. Definitely. No one was taking tours. No one was flying around. Um, it was just unsustainable for the company to keep us on the payroll at that point, you know? Because I'd imagine a lot of the traffic that would come in to do maintenance was helicopter tours or chartering services, primarily from tourists. Yes. Yeah, that Definitely. was our bread and butter. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. What was COVID like in New York City? I know um, I'm from Indiana and out here, you know, there was definitely a good few months of lockdown, but 
not that long after things started to become a lot more relaxed, whereas out there, you know, must have been a lot more strict and whatnot, too, with going to work and doing all of that as well. It was crazy. It was a ghost town. I remember uh, I rode my motorcycle through uh, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. And usually when you come out on the other end, you're, you know, in the hustle bustle of downtown Manhattan. And, you know, you're right there in the financial district. I remember coming out and like I was the only person on the road. Wow. Um, That so that was also (laughs) right around that time was all of the uh, protests going on. um, Definitely. (laughs) Right after. uh, The uh, George Floyd incident. And um, so it was it was weird, man. There was civil unrest. um, A lot of controversy about the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. About the vaccine mandates. And yeah, it was a weird time. Really weird. It almost felt like apocalyptic, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was a weird time to join the police department. um, For sure. Definitely. There weren't many in my class. That was, uh, it was, you know, but I kind of joined out of necessity, you know, it was mm-hmm. needed a job and a city job is a secure job, you know, it's like a, you know, like a state job. So definitely. Yeah. New York City must have been a very interesting place to be during that time and getting into the police department. Um, so you went through, so did you have to go through actual police academy and all that as well, too? Yeah. So police academy is six months. Um, that was uh, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. So the police academy is uh, it's in Queens. Uh, it's about a hour commute from where I live in Staten Island. Uh, it's kind of like structured up you know it's a paramilitary organization so it's kind of structured like the military uh running and pt obviously you know you're learning about law you're learning tactics um and uh yeah it was uh it was a long six months it was very rewarding um never forget that experience of course um you know, made basically family, you know, with the guys that, and, and girls that I went through the academy with. Still talk to them now. Definitely. Um, come out on the other side and boom, you go right into a precinct, went right on patrol. And um, that was really eye opening to me was, uh, you know, I always had like a, a general idea of what being a cop would be like. Definitely. And the reality of it is was different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, it's very humbling. You know, you see a lot. Uh, you see what people see in like a lifetime of tragedy. You see like in a week, you know, mm-hmm. constantly. And uh, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on you. It's, it's, it's very important to have an outlet, you know. Definitely. Um, You know, I have a good support system. Um, It was a great job. I actually really did enjoy it. Um, The downside was uh, right around that time, 
so many cops resigned uh, wow. due to the protests going on. Uh, a lot of cops were unhappy with the treatment they were getting from the city. They felt like they didn't have the uh, support from uh, local politicians and a lot of cops uh, left, which Definitely. left a huge strain on the manpower. Uh, so guys like me, brand new out of the academy, I had like no days off. I was constantly getting hit for overtime. Um, we worked a five on, two off, five on, three off schedule. And it just rotates by a day each week. It just moves up a day. I mean, it was just demoralizing when it's, you know, third week in a row and you're told, you know, they're taking another day away from you, uh, day off. Yeah. So, Ultimately, um, I did want to fly. That's really what I was there for. I really wanted to fly. Um, and what's amazing about the NYPD is you can go in. They'll take you as a pilot with only, and they'll put you in a Bell 407 uh, and train you up the rest of the way. All you need is your private pilot rotary rating or your commercial and instrument fixed wing rating wow and you know they'll scoop you up um the only thing that kind of sucks is you don't know how long you're going to be on patrol until they call so of course i was like you know what i do want to fly but I don't really, I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice the next 10 years of my life having no days off and, you know, having a bad schedule and, you know, I just figured, I mean, if I want to fly, I could do it on my own, you know, accord. Um, so that's what I plan on doing now. I, I My goal is to get my own airplane, um, preferably something with a tailwheel um and uh just supplement my extra income as an amp on top of being a fireman and just flying when i want to fly you know um i think when you make flying work it kind of loses some of its um so you know you kind of lose some uh i don't want to say passion for it but it kind of loses some of its magic, you know? Um, Definitely. <laughs> and so I, when I listened to your first episode, I remember you said you, you're in a part 141 program, right? Yes. And when you started instrument training, it kind of became like mundane, you know? Yeah. And 141 training is very structured and cookie cutter. And now when it's like when you're not flying when you want to fly you're flying because someone's telling you you got to fly yeah it's you know so that was kind of also in the back of my mind too um definitely so we'll see what happens though you know i might become a cfi and absolutely love it and end up going to the airlines anyway who knows you know yeah of course yeah so so, kind of, yeah, 
That's awesome. Um, you're actually not the first person in law enforcement I know who has done or did law enforcement who also did aviation at the same time. Uh, I know two other instructors who did it as well. It's it's a really weird career overlap you would never expect to see, but yeah. it's definitely there. Um, and I think I don't know too much about law enforcement itself, but I think the traits needed as a person, there's definitely a lot of overlap there as well, um, which is very, very interesting. So, yeah, of Absolutely. course. So Absolutely. when and why did you move out of uh, NYPD and how did that kind of transfer over into the fire department? Okay, so the FDNY... Um, is probably like the best job in the world, man. Um, yeah. When I took that test, when I was 18 years old, I had no clue how good that job really was. I just got super lucky that I got a 95 on the exam and then my five, uh, if you live in New York city, you get five residency points. Wow. So I got a hundred on the, on the test. And that put me at list number almost 5,000. That's how competitive it is. Mm -hmm. They called me two years later in 2019. And then when COVID happened, they stopped hiring altogether. <clears throat> so now when they called me in April of 2023, um, I just knew I couldn't turn it down because at that point, being a cop, running in with them all the time, meeting firefighters. Um, I really learned like what that job is all about. And the culture is completely different from the police department, man. It is, um, it's, uh, it's a brotherhood, you know, it's a family, not that the police department isn't, it just, it's very tight knit. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's rich in history. Um, and uh it's it's just a great job you know every day i leave there knowing i did something good um couldn't always say that in the police department and that it's a shame of course um, sometimes the law is the law and you have to do things regardless of your own personal opinions on them you know um and uh with the fire department for example just the other a week ago we uh we had like a four year old girl who had her foot stuck in um in the subway not like on the subway but in like one of the turnstiles going through and we wow. rigged up the uh we call them the airbags it's like this inflatable uh, bag to get it to get her free and it's just like the feeling you get uh the fulfillment you get from that job is is it's incredible um not to mention going to fire it's like i'm an adrenaline junkie going to fires is is awesome uh i mean it's it's horrible for you know the people that are you know victims of it but of at the same time it's it's uh you know you're really really helping out the community um the schedule and quality of life is insane man um if i need a day off no matter what someone will work for me yeah. Um, and just knowing that, um, that I have such flexibility in my schedule, I don't know if I'd, if I'd be willing to give that up. Um, definitely. So 
as an airline pilot, when you're junior and you're, you know, your first officer, especially in the regionals, I know the schedule isn't the best. As you gain seniority and you become a captain and a major, it becomes a lot better. But even still at that level, um, you're away a lot, you know? Definitely. You're working holidays. and You know, we work holidays as well, firemen, but we always try to split it up. Um, so if I'm working Christmas Eve, I'll be off Christmas Day. You know, um, I'm a junior guy, so I work for the senior guys that have kids. And then when I'm a senior guy, the junior guys will work for me. It's um, it's a good career. So once I kind of figured out what that job really was, um, they call it the golden ticket, like uh, the ticket to the fire academy. I just knew I couldn't turn it down. Um, of course. And, uh, you know, 22 years, you can retire with a pension. And then I'll be 45 when I retire. Wow. My, my PD time counts as well. If I want to be a fractional pilot or an airline pilot, you know, I'll be a little bit older, but, you know, I'll still be young enough to start a second career at that point if I really wanted to. Um, so all those thoughts were kind of going through my head at that time. And that's ultimately... You can only make a decision based off the information you have available for you, you know, yeah. At, at, in the moment. So that's that's what I did. Um, I decided, you know, flying helicopters would be badass for the NYPD, but quality of life versus, you know, uh, flying a particular airframe, to me, quality of life was, was more important, you know? Definitely. So you have your private pilot's license. Um, when did that all get thrown into that mix? So my I got my private um, working as an AMP at Linden. Met a guy on the field who had uh, two Cessnas at the time, and uh, he just took me out for a discovery flight. He was a CFI. Yeah, and other CFIs that worked under him on his planes. Um, <clears throat> He took me up um, and I was, you know what? I was just like, yeah, I need to get my pilot's license. I got to do this now. Yeah. And it's, I'm working right here. He's on the field. I would get out of work and I would just hop in the plane and go. Um, a lot of my AMP uh, schooling translated to the private pilot stuff as far as like systems, instruments, even, you know, you know, weather, we, you know, weather was probably the biggest thing that I had to learn and, you know, communication, but, um, a lot of it translated. So definitely I felt like I was, I was ahead of the game, you know, um, and, uh, flying out of Linden, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, uh, so the pattern altitude is 700 feet because just above that is the lower shelf of Newark. Um, definitely. A lot higher stakes. Yeah, it's uh. So if you can learn how to fly there, man, you can fly anywhere. Um. But interestingly enough, um, I'm still not uh super comfortable going into towered fields. Um. Yeah. Linden is an untowered field, and for the most part, it's just best to try to avoid the Bravo airspace. They're so busy over there, you know. No worse. Also, super accommodating though, too. Um, yeah. Uh, so it just depends on the day, you know, sometimes you'll, 
reach out to New York approach and they'll be super accommodating. Oh, what do you need? You know, other days you're just like, they'll get back to you right away and just be like, no flight phone for you. You know, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, learning how to fly in those tight, uh, shelves was, was a good experience. Um, and, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I got my training there. Um, now my, uh, my flight club is based out of, uh, Southern New Jersey. So it's a little bit further away from the Bravo. Definitely. It's actually out of the mode C Vale. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, grass strips around there, guys flying, uh, Piper Cubs. Um, I think that's, uh, it's eventually the type of flying I want to do. Definitely. So, um, this flying club you're part of, tell me a little bit about it and how you got introduced into that. Okay. So my CFI, um, was from that area of New Jersey. He recommended the flying club to me. That's where he got most of his hours. Um, he sponsored me to get into the club. And I would say if you want to do flying recreationally, flying club's the way to go. Um, we have six beautifully specced out airplanes. Uh, they all have either uh, Aspen Pro Maxes or G500s. Um, I think there's only one plane that doesn't have autopilot, but we're actually in the works of getting getting it installed. Um, yeah, it's it's great, man. Um, we have a Saratoga, we have a Mooney, both good cross country capable airplanes, you know, um, Saratoga is a beast, man. <laughs> so, uh, and the Saratoga is never really booked, you know? So wow. for example, uh, this February, um, I was able to work for two guys who needed off, um, a few weeks ago. So now that gave me the ability to get 10 days off, um, next month. So I plan on flying upstate New York to Adirondacks and making a ski trip out of it. You know, that's it's, awesome. It's, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So yeah, flying club, in my opinion, is the best way to go. It's the most economical way. Um, our rates right now are pretty good. Uh, a little over a hundred dollars wet um, for airplanes that have autopilot. I mean, you really can't really beat that, you know? Most definitely. Yeah. So um, are you ever looking to own an aircraft someday or buy one? Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. Um, I got to really kind of figure out what my mission is. Um, so my fiance, um, her family has a house upstate New York um, in the Adirondacks. I don't know if you've ever been. It's like my favorite place on earth. It's gorgeous yeah. up there. It's um, when you're up there, you'd swear that you're in like Alaska sometimes, or even like the Pacific Northwest, like in the British Columbia. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, so up there, right by their house, there's a grass strip. There's a do, you know, float flying with uh, super cubs and, they fly into grass strips and um, sandbars. And to me, that's, that's the type of flying I think I want to do. Um, 
you know, they throw skis on in the wintertime and land on Lake George. It's like, wow. to me, that's what flying is all about, you know? So that's, that's the type of mission I think I want to fulfill with an airplane. So I'll probably aim to get something uh, with a tailwheel, whether it be like a 180 or, you know, maybe I'll even get like a kit, like a bear hawk or, you know, carbon cub or something like that. Wow. Um, that's the goal. That's, that's the dream. Definitely. That's I'm really aiming for, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, so you said you're also working on your instrument rating. When did you decide to start doing that? And what was your primary kind of motivator behind that? So I just started my instrument rating, uh, because during the fire Academy, I had no time for anything. It was like 12 hour days. I was just eat, sleep and breathing firefighter stuff. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so once that was all over, um, I decided, uh, you know what, once I get out to the firehouse, I'm gonna have all this time off. I always wanted to be a CFI. Next step is, you know, become an instrument rated pilot. Um, you know, just also to be a better pilot, be a more proficient pilot. And, um, I'm like, I'm one of those people I'm, I'm always like chasing the next thing. Um, really. so it's, it's been challenging. I have to say, um, you know, it's a lot of ground. Um, the airplane is like the worst classroom. You don't want to go up and be unprepared and then try to learn a lesson in the airplane. You know, you really want to do the lessons ahead of time. So that's what I'm kind of having a hard time with. Whereas with my private, it was like I kind of had a good foundation being an AMP. And Definitely. then going to fly was so easy. Uh, not so, you know, not so easy, but like it was easier than instrument stuff. It's like, you got to know, you got to know your stuff before you go up, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the, the ultimate goal, uh, is to become a CFI. So that's, that's why I started, um, management rating. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. I can definitely see the wanting <clears throat> to go always chase the next step and you and whatnot. I mean, when you initially messaged me, um, about the stuff you did and kind of just scrolling through your profile. I mean, it looks like you've literally lived like the lives of five people. I mean, it's unbelievable. So knowing that you want to go become a CFI and do all that, it's just absolutely insane. Um, on top of all that you already do as well. Um, so speaking of, you also are beginning a clothing line. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh yeah. Um, so that's something I also always wanted to do. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I, uh, always had the idea of starting this clothing line. Um, and I, I really kind of wanted to be a little separate from everyone else. There's, there's a couple of really good brands out there uh, yeah. that I aspire to be like. Um, but I, I noticed that they're not all geared towards, all facets of aviation you know like of course there are a and p's there are air traffic controllers there are pilots obviously um so my very first design is actually uh geared towards a and p's because i feel like a and p's are really like the unsung heroes in aviation man like they're out there in all elements you know with 
the one goal of just getting everyone flying and back on the ground safely, you know? Um, of course. Super, super talented AMPs that I've learned a lot from and uh, I think made me a better pilot too. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to kind of represent everyone and that's kind of where the name came from with the uh, souls on board um souls on board co um because ultimately aviation what you're doing is you're really just taking all these people and saying all right like i put my life in your hands now you know it's so it's such a amazing thing that we kind of like could say I can fly from here to Florida or I can fly from here to Europe or China and I have a greater chance of getting there than I do getting into my car and going to work. You know, it's, yeah, it's really incredible. There's so much that goes into that. Um, but I think we kind of forget, you know, when you're getting on a, on an aircraft, you're, you're really putting your, your life in so many people's hands, uh, the maintenance guy that was working on it the night before the pilot that, you know, is doing his walk around and the air traffic controller that's making sure, you know, everything that, is, uh, is going smoothly. Definitely so much work from so many people that nobody sees. It's just the invisible force kind of behind that all. It's crazy. So absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, I always kind of had like this creative thing in mind. Um, so I started up this clothing line. Hopefully it uh, it goes somewhere. Just got to stay consistent with it. Come out with some uh, cool new stuff. Of course. It's, uh, it's all kind of like um, American traditional tattoo style art. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Um, I live, eat and breathe aviation so obviously i've always wanted to like oh wear it too you know get clothes um i feel like one of my struggles is that when i look for aviation themed clothing it's like going sporties or a website like that it's like best flying grandpa in like a cheesy font <laughs> or something like that and it's it's definitely so refreshing to see a cool looking aviation themed shirt where it's like yeah, my grandma did not give this to me. And like, you know, you can tell, you know, looking at that and whatnot, it's just. I really appreciate that, man. That's exactly yeah. what I was going for. Oh, definitely. My God. Everything is so cheesy when you, when you look up like uh, <laughs> aviation. Oh, it's like. Yeah. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's like eat, breathe and fly. You know, there's just nothing, exactly. no good stuff on there, but. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. So, um, with your instrument rating, uh, and your private rating, are you doing both of those part 61? Yep. Yep. Everything yeah. I'm doing is part 61. Um, it's all on me, man. So, yeah. you know, actually right just before this, I was, uh, I was listening to, uh, Rod Machado's, uh, round, uh, instrument, uh, course, just taking notes. Um, definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of like that aspect of it going at your own pace. Um, I don't know how how is it having like a syllabus? Do, do you find it easier? Because I know you were part sixty one for your private, right? Yeah, um, my part sixty one was probably definitely a lot different than yours. Um, I trained out of a fifty one hundred foot 
an entire airport um, right next to Indianapolis. So as long as you kind of avoided the Charlie, it was really, really easy to not screw up majorly. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, uh, did things right, did things wrong. Um, But moving over to part 141 is definitely different in the beginning. Um, It's a very, very different thing. Uh, even what you wear to the flight academy, uh, you have to wear like a polo and dress pants and dress shoes. And if you don't show up wearing exactly that per those SOPs, you know, you're kicked out. You can't go fly for the day. Um, if you wow. walk in front of a single plane on the ramp, you're kicked out for three days. That's a three day suspension, stuff like that. Um, wow. It's all generally the same training, you know, everything kind of melts together the same in the air. Um the catches, I mean, you know, I don't have to do the 50 hours of cross-country time, which, I mean, honestly, I'd kill to do. I, I miss flying cross-country. It's been a while since I've flown one, but um, it's it's definitely, I think, the syllabus and whatnot is nice because you know exactly what you're walking into next the next lesson doing. But, like, especially during the beginning, stage one, it was like getting a private again, and I wish I had jumped in and, like, been able to go shoot ILSs and whatnot during that preliminary phase where part 61 instrument, I don't know how your first flight lesson was, but you probably got to get up in the air and just go get shown the fun stuff initially and then kind of slowly reintroduce that. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I heard you say, uh, I think you said that there's kind of like two different types of personalities. Um, and you, you said that you had a buddy, right? That was one six or was one forty one, and then I know yeah. he's doing sixty one now. Yeah, he um, he's a nice guy. He also worked at a shop and is wanting to get his AMP later on as well. But definitely, you know, if you're a lot more of a free spirit, you don't want to get yelled at for walking in front of a plane or something. You know, like like a totally shut down. It can have the tie downs on it. And they'll still like, you know, but I think it definitely takes two different type of people. Absolutely. Um, I don't really, you know, obviously I've never been a part of a 141 program, but yeah, I will say it's kind of like, to me, what it sounds like is it's almost structured similar to how the police academy was and the fire academy was where... Mm -hmm they're molding you into someone that is going to be able to thrive in that career. Cause ultimately you're doing this for a career, right? Definitely. Um, when you go to the airlines, it's all about SOPs, you know, yeah. it's all about the, uh, the FARs. I mean, Flying in general is all about the FARs, but of course. you know it's all about uh, the rules. Um, so I guess they're trying to like mold the students into just going into flying with that mindset from day one. Um, Definitely. I remember talking to my cousin, who's an air traffic controller out of uh, Allentown, PA, former Marine. He yeah. said when we went into the Air Traffic Control Academy in Oklahoma City that 
he felt it was the Academy's number one goal was to not brainwash you, but kind of like mold you into someone that can learn to become an air traffic controller. And yeah. then once you get out into the field, that's when you really, really learn uh, the job. Um, so I kind of feel like that's that's the major difference between 61 141. 141, I feel like they're trying to mold you into being a professional. Where 61, you're kind of just doing it for you, you know? Yeah. You're doing, you're doing it for your own reasons, I guess. Definitely. It's um, definitely 61. I felt like a cowboy coming in, you know, from the radio. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I got to reel in. And, you know, I definitely, the comparison to the police academy is so interesting. I would have never thought about it like that, but definitely molding you and whatnot um i like the program a lot out here i mean there's pros and cons to everything certainly and there's obviously the days that it's like i miss going and just like going and doing a lot of leisure flights and whatnot but definitely yeah so with instrument uh training what are you working on right now and how much more do you have to go because you said you just recently started that yeah just started um kind of been battling weather um we started working on uh, so I, I had to knock some rust off i hadn't flown in, in a while uh throughout the whole duration of the fire academy um yeah so the first couple of flights were kind of just uh you know holding altitude holding heading turning and you know just trying to maintain uh, you know stay within the uh the, the parameters that he, that he set uh, then we started doing uh, approaches, VOR uh, approaches, ILS, stuff like that, um, on the way back to the airport, you know, intercepting a, uh, a radial and, um, you know, just stuff like that. Um, so still very, very early in the, uh, in the training. Um, but it's a lot, man. Uh, yeah. I've been combing through just the instrument flying handbook, doing the online ground school, doing the uh, written test prep with Shepard Air. And uh, I think this is probably going to be way more challenging of a check ride than the, uh, the private was. Definitely. Uh, how about you? How far are you into uh, your instrument? So, uh, it's part 141, so I'm a couple weeks done to the completion of stage two, but stage three is very, very short. So I'm probably two months out from my check ride. Um, I got the written done, which Shepard, you said you were using Shepard Air. That's like, it's so underrated. It is the best tool ever. I mean, I went in and got a 95 on my written. Um, it was shepherd air is the best hands down that needs to be advertised and talked about more but yeah i'm it's good to know <laughs> i'm checking along. you'll do great on your written if you're using shepherd air it is it's the best there's nothing there's nothing better than shepherd air but awesome. yeah definitely yeah that's what i'm saying though it's awesome that so early into your training you get to see the approaches and whatnot i had to wait months before i even was allowed to touch an instrument approach and really yeah it's part 61 definitely a lot more flexibility to it and whatnot um which i don't know i think it's kind of 
I disagree with that with 141. I kind of think you should be able to go just see the approaches straight up from the beginning. But yeah. Definitely. Interesting. So what was your like introduction into instrument flying like? Like what was your introductory flight into instrument flying? Put on the hood and do everything you'd do with a private just with a hood on. So um Okay. Yeah. I my stage one check, I had to go and it was basically a private check ride with a hood on, which which sucks. Um I flew a one seventy two for my training as well. Um and then going into the DA twenty steep turns was really, really different for me. Um, well, the 172, you just throw in the three rolls of trim, right? You know, and the yep. plane kind of flies itself. The DA-20, it is impossible. You have to be very on the controls for a steep turn. Um, I busted my stage one check during the flight portion because of the steep turns in the 20. And it was just, I don't know. It sucked, but, you know, got yeah, back up yeah. after that. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, definitely, That's man. Awesome, I, though. I have to say, you, you said earlier that you, you know some people in law enforcement that uh, are pilots. And definitely something that, that translates is... So when something like that happens, right? Where yeah, you, you, you mess up and you kind of start like the snowball effect, right? Of like, you mess one thing up. Now yeah. you, you mess something else up. I feel like athletes uh, or, you know, police officers and firefighters, anyone that kind of operates in like a, like a tactical environment, um, the ability to acknowledge that you made a mistake and then accept it and move on is something that is super helpful in aviation as a pilot. Definitely. Um, there were definitely points in my private training, um, you know, when whatever it is, you can't nail down your 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 short fields or your your. I had a hard time with uh, turns around a point. It was weird. Yeah. I had a hard time with it, and you know, when you get into it and you kind of like, oh, I'm messing this up again. I'm messing this up again, and you stop thinking. Um, I think going through the police academy, being a police officer, going through the fire academy, same thing. It's it's really drilled into your head. You're going to make mistakes. Bad things are going to happen to you. But having that ability to like, all right, next play. We're like, all right. Definitely. Job's not over. We still have a job to do. Um, that's something that is um, definitely helpful. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna have to overcome some kind of uh, obstacle in my instrument training. I just I don't know what it is yet. But, there's um, there's plenty. Um, <laughs> I believe with, it. Oh my gosh! With your private training, one thing I thought of um, with my airport. So I flew out of the Indy South Greenwood Airport. You know, small Antarctic Airport. Um, five minutes to the east, I could have cornfields on cornfields of practice area. With flying out of Lindenwood, um, at least I would think you can't just go use the Statue of Liberty to do turns around a point with or something like that. So <laughs> um, how long did it take to get out to a practice area and work on all those private maneuvers? Um, like an extra 20 minutes onto each flight or something like that? Or Oh, man, dude, that's such a good question. Yeah, so we would have to 
So we uh, the runways there are nine and two seven. I would uh, the winds were always favor in two seven, which are which kind of if you if you just fly straight out of two seven, you'll get out of one of the shelves. You'll go from the seven hundred foot shelf to a fifteen hundred shelf, and then within another like five minutes, you'll be in a three thousand foot shelf. The issue with that was you were over a congested area of New Jersey if you if you went that way. So it was a terrible place for practice area. Yeah. So what we ended up having to do was take off to seven, uh, turn, you know, left crosswind and just follow um, the uh, that track out to the ocean at 700 feet. You're flying over the uh new jersey turnpike then you kind of cross over staten island which is you know a borough of new york city and then uh once you cross over the landmark is the staten island mall you could climb up to 1500 wow and once you cross over the um we call it crooks point it's a um it's like a bay in Staten Island. Once you cross over that point, then you could climb up to 3000. Um, so now you're over the water and you really don't have any other options. Uh, so you're really trying to hug the airspace between Staten Island and New Jersey close to land within that 3000 foot shelf. So you can make it across the water and still be within uh, your glide path to land. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, once you get over to the Jersey side, it goes up to, I think you, you actually get out of the, the, the Bravo shelf at that point and you can go up to, you know, whatever airspace, whatever altitude you want. And that was our practice area. So it's funny, like, I can't even imagine being a CFI and like, Oh man, like what's going through your mind when you when you finally let your student uh solo for the first time? Oh man. Thinking about your student like, like flying through the Bravo and getting a call from the FAA. Um but uh no, luckily I never busted any airspace. That's good. Um so yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it was yeah. uh pretty cool. Did you ever have any um emergencies or anything like that during your private training thank god no thank uh, god no what about you have you pedostatic failure and that's that was it um short okay. field takeoff out of a little strip uh with trees at the end of the runway and the airspeed indicator started going down in a climb and i was like what the hell's going on but you know uh used alternate air and turned the pedo heat on because it was really cold out and seemed to fix everything but so that's yeah. what, it was icing that's what it ultimately turned out to be or yeah that was bad <laughs> that was not a good day to go flying um wow. but yeah definitely that's crazy so you had to do your maneuvers within glide path of the shoreline yeah yeah that's crazy so we would use uh sandy hook as our practice area pretty much sandy hook is uh it's like a it's a big beach in uh in on the jersey shore um, yeah so yeah, that was a practice area. That's um, crazy. It's beautiful over there, man. Um, yeah, I loved uh, flying around uh, in 
Um, it's got a lot going on there. You know, you got Newark and, you know, I remember my, my, my number one goal was to just fly the Hudson river corridor alone. Uh, once I got my private and that was the first thing I did. I took really? all my friends. Yeah. I took all you my went friends. and did that. Huh? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's super easy. Um, so the 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 corridor, it, there's two ways to go about it. If you want to fly down the Hudson, yeah, uh, you could stay in the uh, you could stay beneath the Bravo, which is I want to say a thousand feet or less, and that's just it's just a seat tap frequency. It's just you, you're talking to whoever's on the air, you know, yeah. around the area. And you have to, there's a procedure, you have to uh, call out what landmark you're at, your altitude, and whether you're northbound or southbound. Hmm. Um, or you can uh, ask uh, New York Approach for clearance to enter the uh, the Hudson River exclusion, they call it. And that is from 1,000 to 1,300 feet. Wow. Um, and then... If once you're in the exclusion, you can kind of ask, depending on where you are in the Hudson River, you'll be you'll be handed off to either Newark, LaGuardia, or JFK. You can ask for other things, like you could cross over Central Park, come back down the East River, and usually they're they're very accommodating. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. Definitely bucket list thing wow. uh, for me, and. Um, I remember just taking my brother up with me for the first time. It was just like the coolest thing. Yeah. Uh, him and I, so my, my father actually passed away when I was really young. I was 10. He was 17. So being able to share that, you know, like we both aviation to the both of us means a lot. So being able to do that was, it was probably the highlight of being a pilot so far, you know? Um, yeah, and if you're ever around the New York City area, the GA airplane, or even if you're around here, hit me up, man. We'll, we'll yeah. go up. That'd, that'd be really awesome. Of course. New York City must be such an awesome place to fly. I know I visited a long time ago when I was in middle school and kind of thinking back to what that kind of area looks like. It must be insane to fly around there. You must be so lucky to get to go see that instead of, you know, cornfields for miles as well, like out here. But I would love yeah. to go to the West too. I mean, I, I would, I would love to experience, you know, just nothing but cornfields and, yeah. you know, flat. Like I, we, you know, by us, it's just mountains or buildings or trees, you know, yeah. so to see what the flying is out West. Um, Probably a lot less anxiety, you know, um, an engine failure would certainly be bad, but I'm sure that'd be a lot less stressful for me out here than, you know, in New York city having to, land on the turnpike or something but yeah yeah you, you lose an engine over the hudson uh you're going in the hudson man there's really no other oh just like solely just like solely just yeah. like solely that's crazy yeah that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah if you're ever out here as well um definitely you know uh i Terre Haute regional airport so about 50 miles west of Indianapolis. Uh, that's where I fly out of just a Delta, but definitely way out here. But yeah. Um, so where cool. do you go to buy your clothing? Where's that at? Okay. So uh, 
just uh it's the name of the brand it's uh soulsonboardco.com okay um currently in the process of getting a couple more designs uh uploaded soon um yeah just uh excited to just get stuff out there and grow the brand grow as a uh, social media platform um instagram same thing souls on board co and facebook um and uh yeah that's uh if you want to get some merch check it out definitely i think i'm gonna have to go on there and buy like a t-shirt or a polo to wear out at the flight academy or something like that but yeah that was awesome um so souls on board clothing co uh definitely so if anyone wants to buy that you know definitely had to head over there um i can't thank you enough for taking your time out of your five lives to come on here and talk about all your experiences it's just incredible all that you've done and you're going to do and it's motivational for sure knowing that you have time to do all that and it's crazy yeah thank you so much man it really means a lot uh yeah man just keep doing what you're doing uh you're doing awesome just uh i'm excited to see where you end up do you have like a particular airline you want to go to or <laughs> net jets or delta it's every day i can't decide which one you know major anywhere like that but yeah definitely well all right thank you so much for coming on today thank you again